Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Finished my lesson on the passion of Paul to reach people. Uh, and I'm going to reread the scriptures that I had given uh, last, it wasn't last Wednesday, but the uh, Wednesday before that. 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23. And it reads, For though I be free, now this is Paul speaking, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, to them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Uh, now, when I when I read these scriptures here tonight, he, his his goal here was to try to reach all people at all different levels, and that really is what the church should be. We we don't want to uh, just try to reach certain types of people. We want to reach everybody, anybody, any anybody. I thank the Lord that. Someone accepted me, just a just a, a little kid, a teenager. Uh, you know, we didn't we didn't have much. Um, we um, you know we had our faults, we had our struggles, but people took us in and loved us and cared about us and was there for us. And I'm thankful for that. They made themselves all things to all men and women, of course. But when you consider this, Paul's life was changed. It was changed, and now look at the before and after. His before was all about him. That was all it was about. He was trying to please the hierarchy, uh, the priesthood, and to climb up the ladder and be successful himself before he came to God. It was all about him. It was all about his desires and his promotion and his this and his that. So he thought he was doing a good thing. He thought that he was doing what God wanted him to do. And through all of this, it was selfishness on his part. Uh, that I could look back at my life and I knew that everything I did was to try to bring comfort to my own life and to try to make myself succeed. And, and I was concerned about myself. But when I came to the Lord, just like Paul did, when he came to the Lord and had that Paul experience, that miracle, that that blinding to himself, he had like great scales over his eyes, and he was blinded, and he couldn't do what he wanted to do anymore. He had to come under subjection to the voice that was speaking from heaven, which was the Lord speaking to him, and he had to come under subjection to that because he he was blinded. He couldn't do anything himself. And the voice was talking about, why are you, why are you trying to uh, do the things you're doing? You're, you're fighting against, it was the Lord speaking from heaven, you're fighting against me. He thought he was helping God. He was deceived. But uh, when the Lord spoke, and then he directed him to Ananias, uh, Ananias had a, had a word for him of how to get where he needed to be so that he would not be living his life for himself but the ways of God is to live our lives for other people what I mean by that is of course serving one another encouraging one another um, I know in in, uh, in our connect group uh, we were me and my wife were at the Wood River Connect group this past Monday and uh, I know uh, the other connect groups have had their their uh, times together. Um, I, I do want to commend the lesson because I really felt like it 
drew some things out of all of us that were there, and we connected in a tremendous way. Uh, we got to a point where we were encouraging one another and talking about um, the good qualities in each one of us. And I felt like there was a bonding there. I felt like there was a encouragement there and a strength there. And that's, that's a big part of what the Connect groups are all about, so we can connect with one another. Most importantly, connect to God through His Word, but also connect with one another. And when we connect with one another as a church body, even though we're in small little groups, they're doing this, it, we're strengthening ourselves. And I felt like there was a lot of strength in our group that night as we, you know, we encourage one another and talk about the good qualities of each person in that group. Um, but living a life for Christ is about serving one another. That's what we're here for. That's what families, really, the design of a family should be also, is that we lift one another. Um, for a church body to be healthy, when we come into the house of God, it's not God's plan or design for us to come in just only to get something for myself. You know what I'm talking about? There's been times that we have all probably been through that. I need something and I'm looking for it what I need for myself. Uh, the true blessing comes when we're looking out for others. If you see someone down in a church service, you know, we come to the house of God, and someone's down, one of the ministries of the body of Christ is to lift somebody up, encourage them, strengthen them. Uh, and, and the Bible even says, lest at some point I'm down and I need someone to lift me up, you know, that, that's a part of it, too. We, we are here to lift and serve and minister to one another. And Jesus was the most perfect example of this as a servant. He even got down, we're talking about God wrapped in flesh, came to this earth, walked on this, on this earth, gave his life for us, but he even got down on his knees and washed the feet of the disciples. He served even those that were following him. As disciples, so you see, this coming to God, this experience, this salvation, it changed Paul's life to the point where it wasn't about anymore him uh, only wanting to do things for himself. Now he was in a place where he was going to be all things to all men, so that he could save some. It doesn't mean he's going to save all everybody. But the goal is at least to save as many people as we can, to lead them to Christ, to show them the way to Christ, to minister to them. One of the ways, and, and let me add, I know we all need to um, uh, uh, try to take these thoughts that I mentioned here earlier when, when Sister Sherry and, and Sister Lonnie were um, asking for prayer. Uh, one more thing I want to add to that is I feel like consistency is such a vital thing to to minister to our kids. Consistency. Because when we have this roller coaster up and down, one minute you're up, you're fire for God, next minute you're crashing down. I know sometimes life brings the ups and downs. I do understand that. But when we have these wide ups and wide downs and wide ups, and our kids get to a point where we're like, they're like, I don't want to get on that roller coaster. It's a lot of ups and downs. But here's the thing. Our walk with God, and this is not just for our kids, but this is also a ministry for us to reach other people around us, friends, loved ones, family members. What people want to see in our lives, and let me give you this little thought here for all of us. The way you smooth the ups and downs out is to give yourself to prayer. That's one very important way. Give yourself to the Word of God is another way. Uh, be faithful to the house of God. Come into the presence. Touch God. Touch His presence. Because what happens is it actually smooths those ups and downs out. Uh, this is really uh, the way we need our life to go in walking with God. We will still have the ups and downs, not such drastic ups and downs, 
But it needs to be, instead of this, it needs to be climbing up <laughs> to God. I mean, that's, that's the way our walk with God needs to be. But it's not just for our kids, but it's also for us to reach our friends and our loved ones and our neighbors and, our, and people that are around us, employees on the job. They're looking at our life. And the first thing uh, we have to understand is there is no, there's absolutely no way we can be perfect. But I don't think people really expect us to be perfect. I do think that they expect us to be honest, upfront, upright, <laughs> and, and to be consistent. Just a consistent life. So Paul, I, I believe that is very important in, in our winning of reaching people's lives and leading them to Christ. Especially teenagers. Teenagers are watching us all. You know, I I might not be the the parent of your children, but I do know that they watch me. But they also watch you. They're watching how you worship. They wa- they watch how you pray. They watch how you serve God, how you're consistent with God, faithful to God. You see, that's the reason why when we dedicate babies to the Lord, we incorporate the church into this because we're all a part of this, raising the kids, raising the teenagers. Um, But also, people that are on the job, your neighbors, your friends, if we proclaim to be a Christian, they are watching our lives. That's just a part of it. We live in a glass house sometimes. But it's important for us to be all things to all men and to understand where people are coming from. Now, um, I do know that uh, Paul um, was forgiven many things. He was a ruthless, ruthless man. He was the one, and we mentioned this, he was the one that stood by when they stoned Stephen to death. And he held the coats of those that were standing there as they stoned Stephen to death. Stephen was a godly man. He even forgave them for stoning him. They don't know, you know, they don't understand that, you know, he forgave them. Jesus forgave those that crucified him on the cross. That doesn't sound like the same thing that the world presents. The world says someone attacks you, attack them back. Well, in the things of God, it's forgiveness. Let me, let me say it this way. Paul was forgiven some major, major things. He was forgiven of murder. The Lord took special attention upon Paul to lead him to a place of salvation. He blinded him. Some might say, well, it was a tough thing to go through. Well, that is probably the only way he could come totally to God. That's the reason why uh, here recently I've been saying some people just need a Paul experience. That Their Paul experience might not be the same experience that I had, but it's whatever that it takes for them to find God. It might be a blinding of the eyes. It might be a stopping uh, and deafness of the ears it, it, so to stop hearing. I don't know what it might be. It might be something very unusual. But God knows exactly what we need to be able to give our life totally to Him. Now, I know that there's times that people will come to God and they come with one hand still holding on to the world and the other hand still holding, trying to hold on to God, it doesn't work. It's going to stretch you out to the point where either you're going to have to give up on God or give up on the world, one of the two. The hardest way to live for God is trying to, have, trying to straddle the fence and have both worlds. Amen? That, that's the hardest way to live for God. The easiest way, trust me, I've lived for the Lord since 1977. You can do the math. I was a half year old. No, I was 14 years old. 1977. Through the years, I have found 
that the easiest way to live for God is to give all your heart to Him. Give everything to Him. Surrender it all to Him. And yeah, there's times that you gotta, you gotta talk to yourself and you gotta say, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, uh, it'd be so easy sitting here in this recliner chair and not pray. Or when you do pray, uh, and I've said this before, but if you ever want to remember things that you forgot, get down and pray. You will start remembering that I've got to clean the garage, I've got to trim the yard, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, uh, and I might even find my keys. Get down and pray. God starts bringing back to your memory all of these... Well, I don't know if it's God that brings them back to your memory. But sometimes those things are just us or maybe even the enemy or so. I know we give the, we give the devil a lot of... A lot of credit for a lot of things. But you know what? Uh, sometimes it's just us. And it's so easy to get up out of prayer and go take care of that thing because if I don't do it now, it'll never get done. Well, it's been going on for six months. It hasn't got done in six months. And all of a sudden you say, well, I've got to stop praying so i got to do this. Keep praying. Keep praying. But... When we, when we walk with God, when we walk with God, we have to understand that, like with Paul's life, there's a lot of things that were forgiven in his life. And there was a change. A total change. And, and, and here's the thing about this change. We couldn't do it on our own. Yeah, we could do some things on our own. We have like a willpower. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. But to really, really get where we need to be is to give it all to God in the Spirit, in His Word, and to walk with Him and to give everything to Him. You don't lose anything. You gain everything. You gain so much more than what you give to God. The sacrifices you give to God are not sacrifices anymore as you walk with God because when you love God, it's not a sacrifice anymore. It's just not a sacrifice anymore. You see, Paul got to that point where his life was changed. Instead of a murderer, now he was a soul winner. He was... He was reaching out and ministering to people and helping people along the way. We will be forgiven in the same manner as we forgive. That's Bible. Paul understood that. He understood that. Paul realized how much mercy was given to him. And that's how he gave out mercy to others. To take his life and to forget about himself and trying to make something of himself, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added. He gave his life to the Lord and God began to add to his life. He was ministering to other people. He was seeing people touched. He, he was on missionary journeys and he was reaching out to souls and touching people's lives. You know, we can reach out as a missionary in this area by just simply reaching out into people's lives. People at the store, people in our neighborhood, friends, strangers, inviting them to the house of God, but also showing them an example of what true living for God is. That I don't live for God because pastor is just so hard on me. If I don't, if I don't live for God, he's going to hammer on me or whip me with a whip. That is not the truth. If you say that, that is not the truth. I'm going to encourage you in the Word. I'm going to speak the Word to you. And then there are times that, that God gives me a Word for people and gives my wife a word for people, and we, we, will, we will speak that to you, but it's in your hands to take it and do something with it. We can't force you to do it. But that's what a shepherd does, and that's, that's what they do. They, we, we pray, we hear from God, and then we deliver the word to you, and, and it's in your hands to make the right decisions with it. But 
There are times that God gives me a word and I know that you're not ready for it. So I pray about it until God gives me the right time. Because that word would... God gives me a word to pray for you until you're ready for it. You see, God cares about us. God cares about the needs of our lives. But He is trying to get us shaped into a place where, where we can find the greatest joy of our walk with God, and that is winning somebody else to the Lord. Trust me, that is one of the most precious times when you have ministered to somebody and you have discipled them and you have, you have talked to them and you've shown them the Word and talked to them about things and, and, and you've been there with them in prayer and you... You, you've helped them along the way, and when they come and surrender their life totally to God, that is one of the most precious blessings of all time. Blessings of all time. But see, Paul realized how much mercy was given to him, and that's the reason why he gave out so much mercy to others. He sacrificed and made himself all things to all men so that he can reach people. It changed him. He wasn't into trying to help people before. He was into trying to climb up that success ladder and appease those that were over him. Talking about change, he had a Paul experience. I thank God for my Paul experience. It was in a different way than that. God didn't speak to me from heaven. God didn't put scales in my eyes. But I do know one thing. He spoke to me. spoke to my heart. He spoke to my soul. He spoke to me very clearly. I had such a craving in my heart that was not there before. It was God. It was to the point where I had to find God. And that is... A Paul experience. You've had it. Others in our world need to have it. But sometimes just mere words doesn't do the job. But when we pray, and we pray in the Spirit for souls, the Spirit begins to move in ways that we can't reach, places that we can't reach. But Paul's encounter, his encounter with God's salvation, brought a great change to him. Of course, where much is forgiven, there must be much forgiveness toward others. Uh, One of the things about the change in Paul's life, uh, there was a passion that caused him to include everyone. If we truly have a move of God in our lives... We're going to include everyone. Doesn't matter who it is, where they're from. We're going to we're going to include everyone, and that's what happened to Paul. All things to all men. He reached for the religious. He reached for the non-religious. He reached for whoever. I believe that what God's intention for His churches is for there to be all types of people within the body of Christ. And that's this church too. All people. For us to make ourselves all things to all men. Religious, non-religious, or whoever. That's the change that happened in Paul's life. Um, He was even to a point where he would say, I want you to... I want I want to reach all types of people, no matter who they are. He was talking about the lawless. He was talking about those that had the law. He was talking about the Jewish people. Uh, even ended up, of course, Peter, uh, the Lord opened up the door through Peter and Cornelius' house to reach the Gentiles. You know what Gentiles are? Those are, uh, they're not Jewish people. At that time, he was reaching and pouring out the Spirit upon Jewish people. But the Jewish people consider Gentiles as dogs, which we are a part of that. <laughs> uh, we, 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 don't, we don't have that Jewish heritage. 
Maybe you do, but I think the majority of us don't. But thank God that He opened up the door to reach into our lives also. The Lord was not desiring for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. It wasn't just for the Jews. At that time, that was the first outpouring, and, and, and that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. But then He opened up the door for Gentiles to be saved also. That's us. Thank God for that. Amen. But when we consider reaching people and having a change in our lives, it's not about us anymore. It's about reaching into the lives of other people. Trust me, the greatest blessing is to do something for somebody else. Has anybody ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but has anybody ever uh, just took a bag of groceries over to somebody's house and didn't even tell them? How good does that feel? You knew that they had a need, or maybe you didn't even know they had a need, and you just prayed, and God said, they need some help. So God moved upon your heart. You went to the grocery store, and you bought something for somebody, put it on your doorstep, rang the bell, or took off, or whatever. Never told them where it came from, but it was one of the greatest miracles for their life. They probably have been praying, where am I going to get food for my family? And then here, the Lord spoke through you, used you to minister to somebody else. That's a great blessing. Just like um, some of you heard the story of Sister Sharitha Wheeler when she was growing up. They had a large large family, and they didn't have any food uh, in the cupboards. In the, I don't know if you call it cupboards anymore. In the cabinets. The dad had a, a business, and he had to close the business now because the business was really bad at that time. And he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to go for a week and I'm going to find a job. And I'll call you or I'll come back within a week. Well, two weeks went by. He hadn't came back. They didn't know where he was at. This was before cell phones. Okay? They didn't know what was happening. They went into the kitchen, sat around the table, the whole family, all the kids, and the mom sitting at the end of the table. And um, she didn't have any food. The kids said, Mom, what are we going to do? We don't have any food here. And uh, so she said to the kids, we're going to pray and thank God for the food. They didn't have any food. But they thanked the Lord for the food that wasn't there and stepped out by faith in prayer. And either there was a phone call or it was a knock on the door and a woman in the church came by and said uh, I hate to bother you sorry to bother you but I've got some food that I can't uh, keep in the freezer or whatever or the freezer went down or I can't remember the whole story about it but she said i got some food here and if you could use it you can have it and I know what the kids would say <laughs> can we use it? absolutely yes they brought the food in, cooked it, and had supper that night. But they didn't have any food in the house. You see, that's how God works. That is how God works. And somebody was sensitive enough to the Lord to pray and ask God, show me how, do I, how I can help somebody along the way. Meaning all things to all men. I do believe that we need to be sensitive to the Lord. I think the Lord for my wife, she, when she prays, she asks God, who should I pray for today? Specific. Lord, show me. And many times. And some of you heard the story about her praying and, and um, speaking about uh, Brother Marvin Walker's heart on the left side. Called them. They went, you know, he had been having pain on his heart. That left side of his heart hadn't told his wife. They went to the doctor, found out he had the, the valve that when they started doing some deep searches in his heart, found out that the heart valve was bad, and that was the valve that they called the Widowmaker. And they were getting ready to go on a trip, and if they'd gone on the plane and went on the trip, he would have died mid-flight. God spoke to her. She was just making herself available. God, give me a word. Who should I pray for? And it saved his life. It saved his life. So when you consider reaching people, 
all things to all men and women. I'd like for us here tonight, um, I want you to say something very simple with your own mouth. I want you to say, God loves me. God loves me. That was easy to say because we believe it, don't we? Now I'd like for you to turn to, to the one next to you and I want you to tell them God loves you. That was easy, wasn't it? Was that easy? God, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Okay. Now I want you to think, and maybe you don't have anybody in your life like this, but sometimes there's people that are really hard to deal with. And sometimes there's people that you probably don't like to even be around because they have such a terrible attitude and they've treated you bad. And maybe, just maybe, maybe they might be a, an enemy that's trying to hurt you. Now, I would like for you to say, God loves my enemies. Oh, that was hard to say, wasn't it? That was a lot harder than saying God loves me or God loves the person next to you. Wasn't it hard? Was it? Oh, come on. You're messing up my lesson. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but it's true. God loves those that want to hurt us and want to destroy us. God loves them. But see, when you consider Paul's feelings, when he had his Paul experience, he got to the point where he was saying, God loves them too. God loves them too. Matter of fact, Stephen was a perfect example of that. Paul's standing there, I look at it, he was agging them on. He was standing there holding the coats of those who were throwing the rocks at Stephen, the man of, the great man that had a heart after God, great man of God and he was holding the coat Paul was holding the coats and I think he was encouraging them on let's kill him but Stephen was one of the greatest examples of forgiveness as he forgave them as they were stoning him to death you see um, what I'm talking about here tonight is sometimes putting ourselves out to help somebody else is a great reward. And when you consider, um, you know, Paul uh, made himself all things to all men, and he even reached out to those, I'm sure, that, that, that was trying to hurt him. Of course, there was times that he had to stand before judges that were trying to throw him in prison or trying to crucify him or trying to destroy him, destroy this message he was trying to teach of leading people to the Lord. And here he was reaching out, but yet... Sometimes we might have a Jonah moment. You know what I'm talking about? The Lord told him to go to Nineveh. He didn't go because those people are trying to destroy us. He went a different direction. That wasn't God's way. And he ended up in the belly of a whale with seaweed wrapped around his neck and the smell and the terrible, terrible place. In the depths of hell, the Bible talks about. But then when he finally came to himself and realized he needed to do what God told him to do, and that was even to go and reach out and preach a word of salvation to the Ninevites, people that hated the Israelites, and he preached a message, and they had a great revival in Nineveh. You see, there are souls out there that are not pleasant. Trust me, we were not pleasant at one time either. <laughs> and sometimes people were a little bit leery probably of talking to us because we would throw a lot of words back at them. You know, a lot of t let's be honest here tonight. You tried people, didn't you? Didn't you try their patience? That's exactly what they're doing to us. Just keep on loving people. 
Keep on reaching out to people. Keep on ministering to people. Just show the love of God. And that's what Paul was doing. For God so loved the world, not just the people in Bafalto, not just the people in Illinois. He even loved the people in Missouri, believe it or not. He loved the whole world. For God so loved the world, the Bible says. Who, who would you like to bring to God this year? Who would you like to reach and lead to the Lord this year? Paul didn't draw lines and say, these I'll reach and these I won't reach. He didn't draw lines. He reached everybody. You know why he didn't draw lines? Because he was forgiven of a whole lot of things. And he didn't draw lines on those that were really, really, really bad because he was really, 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 really bad. He was a murderer. And he he learned how to forgive people because he was forgiven of many things, much forgiveness, and God changed him to the point where he began to forgive others. When God changes you from doing things very bad, then you love people that have done bad things. You know why? Because you understand where they're coming from. You understand the difficulty that they're faced with. You understand. You you understand it. Another thing that was a change in Paul's life to reach people was his passion established his identity. Of course, you know, his passion for murder, even Ananias was a little bit leery of Paul. You know, here he was, you know, you might think he's trying to come in and trying to deceive somebody. Excuse me. Trying to deceive them and trying to slip in and destroy the church again. There was people that were afraid. They didn't want their families destroyed. They didn't want their lives destroyed. You know, Paul had a reputation. And when he came to the Lord... Talking about a change, it took a little bit for them to get to the point where they could trust. He has been changed. But when it finally came down to it, they realized he's been changed. His life has been changed. But that passion of salvation and that Paul experience brought forth an identity change. An identity change. Where he wasn't with a reputation of... Uh, of, of being a murderer anymore. Now he had a reputation of being all things to all men and serving people and loving people, reaching out to people. Um, now, understand here in this passion uh, that established his identity, he, he didn't take on their way of life. You don't have to take on the, a, a lifestyle of sin and what other people are doing to reach people. No, what people are wanting to know is if you can do it, and you're consistent in living for God, that means that I have some hope that I can do this. He didn't take on their lifestyle. He didn't, he didn't uh, have to sin with them to reach them. He showed them an example of a true life of living for God. That's winning souls. And being consistent in that. He didn't lose his bearings. And you, you actually find out who you are when you step out of your world and step into the world of somebody else and realize where they're coming from and the struggles that they're faced with. And, and, you, and you, you realize when, when, you, when you step into that world of, and it, like I said, it doesn't mean that you take on sin or live a life of sin, but, but you, when you begin to understand where people are coming from, understand maybe how they were raised, maybe the struggle they went through in their life. We all have things that we could talk about from our past and the struggle of our past, what we've had to deal with in our past. But you know, that's the beautiful thing about the church. Church must be merciful and loving and compassionate and caring. If we're going to be Christ-like, that's what Jesus is. He cares about us. He even says, cast your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. 
He cares. Cast it on Him. He cares about us enough to give everything, give His life, shed His blood upon a cross. The Bible says anything that hangs upon a tree is a curse. He allowed Himself to be a curse for us. He allowed Himself to shed His own blood for us. He allowed Himself to be beaten. He allowed Himself to have a crown of thorns on His head and a sign upon, which was a sign of supposedly a mockery on the cross. But He allowed that to happen because He loves us. And understanding the three words I gave at the beginning, He's all-powerful. He could have came down off the cross if He wanted to. He chose not to. He had to go through with it. He wanted to. He did it. He made that decision because he loved us. There had to be a blood sacrifice. Without the remission or without uh, the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. He's all knowing. He knew what they were going to do to him. He's all powerful. He could have came off the cross. He's everywhere. But. With us, uh, Paul, understanding Paul's life, his passion, brought forth an identity. He understood their struggles and their troubles. Part of it, he had been there. And even if he hadn't been there, when you really get a love for God and a connection with God, you can understand the difficulties that people are going through in life and to be there for them. We need to never forget the pit that we were pulled out of. Some of our pits were deeper than others. Isaiah 51 and 1. Listen to what it says here. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. No matter how long, you know, I, I know that the longer we live for God and further we walk away from the world, the less pull the world has on us, the struggles, the, the those uh, strongholds, those sins, those things. The longer we walk with God, the further we get, the closer we get to God, and the longer we distance ourselves away from those things, trust me, they fade in the distance. But one thing is for sure, we, even the Scripture says, we need to not forget the forgiveness that we received. We cannot forget the pit that we were dug out of. There's some in this church that have been in some pretty deep holes. Thank God that He delivered them. Thank God He delivered us. Thank God that He set us free. He's forgiven us of many things. Why shouldn't we forgive? We should. We must. Because how we forgive, the Bible says, is how we will be forgiven. Amen? We want patience. We want God to be patient with us, don't we? Well, if we want God to be patient with us, we need to be patient with others. We want God to forgive us. If we want God to forgive us, 70 times 7, then we've got to forgive others. Amen? Never forget who you are in the Lord. Never forget. Never forget why we are in the world. <laughs> Sometimes we can get so caught up in, in church and forget who we are. You know, we come and we get the blessings and thank God for the blessings and the power of God that moves and thank God for the, the, the strength that we get, the victory we get when we, when we worship God and thank God for our praise team and musicians and thank God for the preaching and teaching of the Word and, and it gets us strengthened and we, we, we thank God for that. We could keep coming to church and, and, and go home and be strengthened and, and grow in God but we need to not forget who we are in the Lord. And we need to not forget the pit where we were dug out of. And we have to also remember that the church, we are, as the church, we are salt and light. Churches and individuals 
have forgotten sometimes why are why we're really here. The whole goal, the biggest goal of why the Lord came to this earth is to save those that are lost. Also notice when when you consider the 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 sheep had a hundred sheep and he left the shepherd left the ninety nine to go after the one that was lost. Because that's so important to him. The one that's lost. Because he knows the other ninety nine are going to be there. But he's going to go after the one that's lost. And I believe that we have to get that same kind of feeling with inside of our heart and soul that there are people out there that are lost. And yes, we need to lift each other up. No, that's part of the ministry of the body of Christ, the church. But we've got to reach souls. Touch lives. We are the salt and the light in this world. If the world lost the salt, if the church stopped being the church that it needs to be, this world is in worse shape than what we, it is right now. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the truth of the Word of God. Thank God for a people that, that stand upon on holiness and, and, and truth of God's Word and, and take a stand on that. Thank God for that. Because if this world lost the church and what the church stands for, which there's a lot of religions today that have lost their, their moorings and lost their bearings and have rewritten the Word of God to fit their own ways. But you know what? We're, we're, we're here to reach lives. If we do it our own way and try to reach people our own way, what's going to happen is people are not going to get what they really need from God. Or let me put it this way. They're not going to get what they need for eternity if it's our way. Matter of fact, we're not going to get there either if it's just doing it our own way. Do it God's way. Because when we do it God's way, we've got hope. We've got deliverance. We've got forgiveness. We've got salvation. And we've got a promise of eternity. Amen. We need to be prepared as a bride, but we need to take others with us. We need to reach other people. There's people out there right now that, are, that don't know how to find help in this world. They might be contemplating suicide right now. I mention this, but I, it just is just an impact upon me that in the old building, praying before church, God kept putting the word suicide on my mind. And I knew it was not for me. I don't have any thought of suicide, but I knew there was a word that kept coming to me. And I couldn't understand why. When I got into the middle of the church service in the old building, and, and we started to worship. I, I, we stopped the service, and I said, we're going to have to pray. We've got to pray. The word suicide keeps coming to me, and we've got to pray right now. We turned that, that old church building and the congregation into a prayer room that day, and we started praying, and people started going over and praying with each other, and there was a visitor there from Missouri. It was a young lady, and there was... Um, um, uh, Sister Ruth Ann's, actually, I'm pretty sure it was Sister Ruth Ann's aunt, came from Indiana here. They met at our church. They knew each other. They met at our church. And this, we found out later this young lady was considering committing suicide. And how God cared enough to reach out to her. And we prayed with her, and God delivered her of that. And I can't remember if she received the Holy Ghost that day or not. But God touched her in a powerful way. God cares. God cares. And, and He wants us to be sensitive enough to be able to reach out to the needs of other people. Reach out to the needs of other people. His passion challenged him to enter their world and out of his comfort zone. Paul entered their world and he tried to experience things from their point of view. I think it was so it was so um, interesting. Um, John Maxwell had a friend, and he was an atheist. And I, I want to tell this story because it was in my my thoughts. 
it was very wise the word that he gave to him. He had an atheist friend, and John Maxwell was working with this atheist friend for this man's business. Uh, he was John Maxwell would go in and he would teach leadership uh, to the employees of different businesses and. In this business, uh, his friend was an atheist, and um, but then one day, um, his friend, the atheist, said to John, he said, he said, I want you to uh, talk about the historical God, not the biblical God. I want you to bring into your teaching the historical God. In other words, talk about a little bit about in your leadership. I want you to talk about the history of God. The God of history, not the biblical God. And he told John that he is atheist because, he said this to John Maxwell, he said, I'm an atheist because I won't serve a God that will send you to hell. John Maxwell looked into his his friend's eyes, and he said, you know what? I totally agree. I totally agree with you. And then John Maxwell told him, but you don't understand the true God. You only see a false God. And as he began to talk to him, he explained to him, he said, now I want you to understand, there is a hell. The Bible talks about that. There is a hell. But as he went on, he says, but the true God that you're not fully understanding, the true God does everything to keep you from hell. Everything to keep you from hell. God does not want anybody to go to hell. (laughs) And then this is the other words I thought was very profound here. He said to his atheist friend, he said, if you go to hell, you will have to step over God to get there. Because God gives you every tool and every escape route and every opportunity for you to be able to miss out on hell. But if you go to hell, it's because you have stepped over God to get there. It's our choice, he said. But he understood the man's view. And he was not afraid at the man's view of what he was faced with. This was his struggle. The reason why he didn't live for God. Because he wouldn't serve a God that would send you to hell. But the misconception of God in so many people's minds and hearts is you know, that God wants to beat you up and destroy you. You make a mistake, he wants to stomp you down, put you under his feet, whip you with a whip. I mean, there's a lot of things that people think God... No, no, what God is wanting is when we fall on our face, you know, it's like if you really truly are a, a true parent to your kids and you truly love them, when they make a mistake, you don't beat them up and destroy them. Uh, what you do is, yeah, you discipline them. And the reason why you discipline them is because you want them to understand right from wrong. Matter of fact, I, and, I, and I know i got more than my share of whippings, I can tell you that for sure. Um, I've worked real hard to try to go a day without getting a whipping. My mom, and uh, my dad took care of the heavyweight things, uh, but my mom was quick to the draw, kind of like my wife. I'd be getting up off the couch, just getting ready to get up off the couch, and my wife would already have them spanked. No, she'd already have a beat. No. Spanked. Spanked. Let me clarify. Spanked. But she was quick to the draw. My mom was like that. She was quick to the draw. And I remember when my spankings ended, my wife teased me. Yeah, that was like the day before we got married. But that's not true. That's, That's not the truth. I don't even know how old I was, but I was so mad that I messed up whatever I did. I don't even know. It probably would have been something simple because it was, you know, I got spankings for nothing, it seemed like. Just because I was breathing, I got spankings. 
just because I opened my eyes in the morning, I got a spank. Because she knew that I was going to do something that day. It was not right. So, <laughs> got a spanking before we went on vacation because she knew that we were going to get do something in the car on the way. She didn't want to have to pull over, you know. I, I, I don't, I'm just kidding, kidding on that. But, but it seemed like she was very quick to the draw. <laughs> but... <laughs> The thing about it is, and I don't even know why I'm going down this road. There was a lot of things that, you know, that I tried real hard. But I remember the day I, I stopped getting spankings. I was so mad at myself that I had done something wrong and I knew better. That I remember, I remember this so I could see it in my eyes right now, in my mind's eye. I remember my mom took the belt out. And she was a little, about, she was not real tall. And I remember seeing her out of the corner of my eye, and I was so mad. And she started spanking me, spanking me a couple of times. And I remember her looking up at me. And I just stood there. I didn't cry at all. And she started spanking me again. <laughs> and she looked at me again, and she just put the belt down, and she never picked it back up again. But, you know, there's some things in life that people go through, we just need to understand. Understand what they're faced with, what they're dealing with. And and don't be afraid of people's view. It might be a big a misunderstanding, their view, but God will give you a word. And really all people care about is that you care about them. Matter of fact, uh, and, it, and it was John Maxwell's words, I thought it was very profound when he said this. He said, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And when they know that you care, then they, care, then they know that they can listen to what you have to say. So don't be afraid of that. There's people in our world today, right now, that are contemplating suicide, and they need a word. They don't know how to get to God. They might have never even been to church, darkened the doors of the church. Maybe their parents have, and grandparents have never darkened the doors of the church, never had any kind of history of church, don't understand anything about God. All they understand is, is the word hypocrite of people who go to church, and they've heard that for years and this and that. But you know what? They have not seen and experienced a true salvation of a soul. Someone that has received a Paul experience. But there are people out there that need to know that there's hope. All things to all men. And that's what we need to make ourselves. And I'm going to close this on this. Paul's passion also helped him to become creative. His life was to be all things to all people. And he was a servant to all. And he understood where people have come from. We've all come from so many, many different places and different, different surroundings, different environments. But thank God someone cared about us. And that's what we need to do for others is care about them. And be a disciple maker. Be a disciple maker. Reach out into people's lives and lead them to the Lord. Show them that living for God is a joy. God doesn't beat us down. He's there to pick us up. Like I was saying earlier, if we're a proper parent, we're not going to beat our kids up and destroy them when they do something wrong. We're going to discipline them, to show them the right way. And I believe that discipline in the right way, not abusive, in the right way, actually teaches our children to be able to discipline themselves. You understand that? This is something I feel like the Lord showed me too. Is that when we discipline our kids, not in an abusive way, but when we discipline them, it teaches them how to to discipline themselves. And we all need to be able to discipline ourselves in our walk with God. But Paul understood. He'd become very creative. And the Bible says that he that when a soul is wise, it's important for us to be be wise. And I know there's other thoughts there on that scripture, but it is important for us to be wise in reaching people and helping people along the way. Everyone. Amen? Amen. I'd like for us to stand.
Thank God for a Paul experience. Thank God for a Paul experience. Amen. I'd like for us to pray for people in our world. People that's in your world. What I mean here, you know, we're all in this world, but there's people that are, you are surrounded with in your, on your job, in your neighborhood, in places you go that you can reach that I might not be able to reach, and vice versa. So I'd like for us to pray for the people that are in our influence, in our world of influence. And let's pray that God would touch them and minister to them and give us an open door to minister to them. Let's pray for them right now. Jesus, I pray God.